are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and excited to talk about the consensus choice for a lot of Dolphins fans for the 2021 NFL Draft at number 18 overall, Najee Harris running back from Alabama. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're back in the saddle with the pros and cons here. Obviously, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, we are two weeks to the day away from the start of the 2021 NFL Draft, which is just absolutely wild to think about. Uh, we are probably going to do one more of the pros and cons series tomorrow. I'll let that player be a surprise. But uh, starting next week, I think we're going to look at position rankings and, and building big boards at, at position-specific spots for the Dolphins. Uh, to kind of stack those up and give everybody an idea of you know who you could blend and piece together and what those options could look like. But today is all about Alabama running back Najee Harris. And I've said this before on my personal timeline on Twitter at Grinding the Tape, Najee Harris, regardless of the player grade that I give out, Najee Harris is one of my favorite prospects in this year's class, regardless of round range or valuation, just for his style of play, his story, and who he is as a person. When you listen to him talk and, and have media availabilities and post press conferences, and he's just somebody that I would love to follow on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis in the pros. Uh, I'll say that first. So, of course, we're looking at the number 18 overall pick, what the positives to drafting Najee Harris would be, and what some of the risks or cons of drafting Najee Harris would be. So let's start with the pros, with Najee Harris. You think about the way the Dolphins had tried to assemble their offensive backfield last year. The two-year, $10 million contract given to Jordan Howard, which obviously fell about as flat on your face as you possibly could. But that style of runner was what the Dolphins appeared to covet when they gave Jordan Howard that contract. With that in mind, Najee Harris is that dude. Six foot two, 230 pounds. He's had over 200 attempts rushing the football in each of the last two seasons. He averages 5.9 yards per attempt over that stretch. It's a grand total of 461 carries over the last two seasons and over 2,680 yards rushing. He had 26 rushing touchdowns last year. He caught 43 balls on 53 targets for 425 yards. So he almost had 1,900 yards from scrimmage in 2020 on this Alabama offense. At six foot two, 230 pounds. So that build and the production, obviously, is a very enticing projection into a Dolphins offense that, quite frankly, 
wanted to have this kind of player and picked the wrong one to bring into the picture. Now, thankfully, because the Dolphins structured the contract in a certain way, they, they could break ties with Jordan Howard and not have any long-term negative ramifications. But I think the most unique thing about Najee Harris and the thing that makes him so much more of a high-ceiling proposition for the Dolphins' offense than a Jordan Howard is this dude can catch the football. He can run routes. He can be split out into the slot. Caught 43 of 53 targets for 425 yards this past year. You watch him when Alabama runs mesh and he runs the rail or the wheel and he gets up the sideline. He's made back shoulder throws on a number of occasions. Uh, I was there in person for one of them against LSU in 2019, and it like my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, this dude is 6'2", 230, looking like a tight end, high-pointing a back shoulder throw at the pylon in the red zone. He's got phenomenal hands. A player comp that I've heard that I like quite a bit for him is Matt Forte, who obviously had a very, 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 if you were a fantasy football player, and uh, you had Matt Forte on your season for like any one of 10 years, uh, you probably enjoyed that level of very productive play. Real quick, I just want to read through some numbers for Matt Forte. Matt Forte yards from scrimmage from 2008 to 2015. 1,700, 1,400, 1,687, 1,434, 1,936, 12,000 is if you look at Najee Harris's productivity after contact, 3.26 yards after contact per attempt in 2020 for Najee Harris. He had 962 rushing yards after contact and forced 69 missed tackles in 2020. For comparison's sake, Miles Gaskin, 142 rushing attempts. He had 360 yards after contact. He averaged 2.54 yards after contact per attempt. And he forced 31 missed tackles on 142 carries. You hold these numbers up side by side, and yeah, Najee Harris comfortably is a more productive player after first contact. And if you think about what held the Dolphins back so often, 
they get outgapped, have trouble taking the top off the defense, so you're, you're minus one in the box. So the defense has one more defender than you have blockers. So the running back's going to have to beat somebody in a gap to spring a big play. How often did it happen? Very rarely, if at all. So Najee being a guy who had almost 1,000 yards rushing after contact alone in 2020 with 30 extra pounds for a Dolphins offense that is going to run the football a ton Gap slash power concepts, which is man-on-man and try and reset the line of scrimmage and drive them off the ball, or inside zone in which the running back's track is in between the tackles, but offensive linemen are simply going to use defenders' momentum against them and and take them where they want to go and let the back cut and create off of those cuts. Najee Harris would be exponentially more productive in the short yardage, the third and twos. For the Dolphins. Remember the Jacksonville game? They moved the ball at will in the first half. They said, okay, let's try and get better running the football. And they just three and out. Could not convert third downs with any level of consistency. It was a problem all year long for the Dolphins. Najee Harris and his presence helps to amend that issue. If you have auto parts issues, rockauto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for your classic or daily driver, you need engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Trying to stay in the loop? Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So, the quick Spark Notes summary of the pros of Najee Harris. He's 30 pounds heavier than your current primary back, which means he's going to be a lot more effective creating missed tackles and creating yards after contact and falling forward on short yardage situations. That's a big plus. He also offers a lot of similar receiving skills in a much bigger frame, which allows you to be more multiple as far as what back is in the game, what play calls you have on the table for that back, and he's going to be more sturdy in pass protection as well. The last thing I'll say about Najee Harris, his movement skills, his his flexibility for his frame, his ability to stick his foot in the ground. And when I talk about from a scouting perspective, I'll talk about lower body mobility and the ability to create dynamic cuts and playing on a dynamic base. And what I mean by that is you watch some of these stiff, straight line backs. Leonard Fournette's a, a fair example. When he needs to make a hard cut, how far out from underneath of his hips is he able to plant and explode off of one of his feet and drive in the opposite direction? Najee Harris, for being 6'2", 
has an absolutely incredible ability to create tilt and steep angles with his lower body to really extend on a cut and get his foot out from underneath his hips so and generate a lot of force in those short spaces so he can come to a stop and he can redirect himself with a lot more pop and spring than a lot of 230-pound pound backs do. So that is kind of the added bonus to Najee Harris for his size and stature is you don't usually see cut ability out of that kind of player. Those things combined make a very obvious case for Najee Harris uh, when you consider the odds of him getting back to 36 are... They're reasonable, but the reason why we're having this conversation about pros and cons of Najee Harris at 18 is the general perception, and right or wrong, and it may be wrong, right or wrong, if you don't take him at 18, there's a lot of landmines that could see him drafted between 18 and 36. In an absolute perfect world, Najee Harris or Javante Williams or Travis Etienne, they're all slam dunk prospects to draft at number 36 overall. But would one of the three get there? That is hard to say. It is very hard to say in this year's class. Ergo, we're having the conversation about 18 because that is the spot where you can guarantee you would get him because I don't see anybody in front of 18 getting him. Teams behind you that should worry you, look at the New York Jets at 23, Pittsburgh Steelers at 24, the Buffalo Bills at 30, and then the Jets and Jaguars in the early second round before Miami comes back on the clock with the Houston pick. So a lot of landmines there to navigate to ensure he would get back to you at 36. Which gets into some of the discussion points for not forcing the pick or some of the cons of drafting Najee Harris. Because in a perfect world, I'm not drafting any running back at 18. In a perfect world, I'm not. And I think that's the hard thing that the Dolphins have to account for, especially because we're all scarred with the way last year went, right? Everybody had a bitter taste in their mouth when the Dolphins were tied to DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and J.K. Dobbins, and they ended up getting none of them. Because Edwards Hilaire went 32, DeAndre Swift went 35. In between the Dolphins pick at 30 and their next pick at 39, Indianapolis trades up to 41, two picks after the Dolphins take Robert Hunt and drafts Jonathan Taylor. Cam Akers goes 52 and the Dolphins get sniped on J.K. Dobbins with the pick before they come on the clock at 56. Their response to that was to trade for Matt Breida. In hindsight, there was a 0% chance that that was going to turn out well. Breida played in a wide zone system that relied on a lot of speed to the perimeter and bounced to, to cut and flash and react when a, a hole develops to get north and south. The Dolphins are very much an in-between-the-tackles type of running team or off-tackle. So you as Miami, you now have to say, okay, or do we want to play this song and dance again? And if you're going to make the decision based on it not working out last year, I would argue the Dolphins had good process last year and a bad result. And to overcorrect and draft Najee Harris at 18 just because of the way last year materialized would be a hard pill to swallow, especially when you consider how productive Miles Gaskin, a 2019 seventh-round pick, was per game 
relative to these five rookie running backs that the Dolphins missed out on. And when people talk about positional value and the ease of finding productivity at the running back position, this is what they're talking about. Jonathan Taylor was the best of the rookies. 97.9 yards from scrimmage, so receiving yards and rushing yards per game on 268 total touches, 5.5 yards per touch. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was second best, 84.6 yards from scrimmage per game, 5.1 yards per touch. DeAndre Swift, 67.5 yards from scrimmage per game, 5.5 yards per touch. J.K. Dobbins, 61.7 yards from scrimmage per game, 6.1 yards per touch. Cam Akers, 57.5 yards from scrimmage per game, 4.8 yards per touch. Miles Gaskin, you put him into this list and hold him to the same barometer. Now, granted, he missed six games, so don't just look at raw numbers. Look at a per-game, per-touch productivity basis. He'd be third in total touches for the season. He had 183 total touches on the year in 10 games. If you ranked it in order of yards per touch for the season, he would still be better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Cam Akers. Dobbins at 6.1, Taylor and Swift at 5.5, Gaskin at 5.3, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 5.1, Cam Akers at 4.8. But this is where it gets most important. Yards from scrimmage per game, Miles Gaskin, 97.2. He was less than one yard per game from scrimmage, rushing and receiving, away from being better than every single rookie on the roster last year. Now, granted, there were still the conversion rate issues and rushing on third and short and getting those converted into first downs because you didn't have the size. So I don't want to make this seem like the Dolphins don't need to upgrade their running back room because no matter what, they do. But if I told you that Miles Gaskin would have nearly equal production per touch and per game yards from scrimmage than Jonathan Taylor, and one of them they traded up for at number 41 overall, and the other one was a seventh-round pick from the previous season, which would you rather have? Genuine question. And that's why people talk about the value of running backs and finding alternative production and the avenues to doing so and the cost versus benefit of it. And Najee Harris is not immune to that conversation because we're talking about him at 18 overall. And then you look at Najee Harris's profile from an athleticism perspective. And make no mistake, the physicality that he brings, the vision that he brings, the anticipation that he brings, it's all really, really good. And I like the fact that Pro Football Focus, their annual draft guide, it charts how many attempts, rushing attempts, Najee Harris had in zone concepts versus gap slash power concepts. He was nearly a 50-50 split, so he's well-versed in both. That's the good news. But Najee Harris has 25 career carries of 20-plus yards, and you watch him get out in the open field, and he's not going to win very many 40-yard foot races. He's just not. He does not have breakaway speed. The explosive plays that he creates, whether it's passing or rushing, he's that 
miraculous touchdown he had against South Carolina. He's stiff-arming a defensive end 25 yards downfield, out of bounds. He's hurdling some other dude. He's got plenty of spring, but long speed is not an area in which Najee Harris shines. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has plenty of sports action for you to get in on with the NBA, MLB, and NHL all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. April 19th through April 26th. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars for their respective teams. Subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for sports podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. I would leave you with one more inconvenient truth about Alabama's offense, Najee Harris's role in it, and projecting that to the next level. Have you taken a look at the 2020 Alabama offensive line? Alex Leatherwood, from most accounts, is projected to be a top 64 selection in the 2021 NFL draft. He played left tackle for Alabama. Offensive guard Deontay Brown played left guard for Alabama. Senior Bowl participant. Uh, if it were not for some weight issues, Brown would be discussed as a potential top 100 selection and may still be in the 2021 NFL Draft. If you exclude medicals, center Landon Dickerson is the best interior offensive line prospect in the 2021 NFL draft, and if not for medicals, would be a first-round pick. And right tackle, Evan Neal, earmark that name, because he was only a sophomore in 2020. But he is 6'7", 350 pounds, and an absolute freak athlete. Experienced playing guard, moved to right tackle. Uh, he was the best player from a physical tools perspective that Alabama's offensive line had. He is a future first-round pick on the offensive line. If we're being transparent, you're running behind three potential first-round picks. You're running behind four potential top 100 selections. If you are Najee Harris, life is pretty good. When the guys in front of you are that good and that dominant, that is not to take anything away from Najee Harris. The guy forced 69 missed tackles in 2020 and rushed for almost 1,000 yards after contact and is a terrific receiver. But it is at least worth mentioning when you are transitioning from that to a Miami Dolphins offensive line that we are still in the getting-to-know-you phase. 
We need to get to know Austin Jackson. Was last year your ceiling? Are you going to improve? How much are you going to improve by? You would like to assume and project improvement across each of the Dolphins' three rookies. The inconvenient truth is you'll probably get marginal improvement from one of the three, and the other two you'll get fair to good improvement from. That's just the law of averages in the NFL. Now, if they struck gold and everybody becomes a plus starting, above average starting offensive lineman starting in 2021, you got a different story on your hands. But Najee, for as good of anticipation and vision as he has, coming into an offensive line that struggled to consistently win the point of attack, even on combo blocks. And a lot of times that was what stood out like a sore thumb when you're watching this tape is it's, okay, you're doubling to a linebacker and you can't get off the double. So you're letting a linebacker run scot-free through. Why? Understand who's got to come off depending on how much push you get and make the adjustment. And for a lot of the time, they didn't. Some of that could have been because of the musical chairs, the Dolphins offensive line played, shuffling guys around due to some injuries inexperience. I get it. But the Dolphins, if you're going to draft a running back, you got to understand that his production is tied directly to the performance of the five guys in front of him, much more so than some other positions across the field. So you better damn well be sure if you're going to draft a running back at 18, which is a risky proposition as far as the NFL is concerned, that you're not setting him up for failure by not having the pieces you need in front to make sure you're consistently winning and allowing him to get into gaps in a one-on-one situation. And I'm just spitballing here, but I am going to mention the economics of this decision. According to OverTheCap.com, the number 18 overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft is scheduled for a total value of just over $14 million dollars with a $7.5 million signing bonus. So the cap number for the first year, it's $7.5 million signing bonus, prorated over four seasons, so it's $1.9 million per season from a uh, rolling signing bonus that's prorated out. Base salary for 2021, $660,000. Cap hits of 2.5, 3.1, 3.8, 4.5. And then you get into the fifth-year option, and that becomes a franchise tag situation, uh, depending or, or the cost does, based on the new rookie weight scale. But if you look at new cash in 2021, a signing bonus, which means that player gets all that cash up front, $7.55 million. I'm not a math guy, so let me get the calculator out. We're going to do this in real time. 755. Plus 660000 $8.21 million in new cash in 2021. That would be the fifth highest amount any running back is paid in cash in the 2021 calendar season behind Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, and Christian McCaffrey. It's more than Melvin Gordon, more than Chris Carson, more than Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb. Very, very, very good backs. 
And you were talking like $100,000 less than being more than Christian McCaffrey gets paid this year. For a guy who's never taken a snap. Alternatively, if you wait until 36 overall, the total value of the contract is equivalent to the cash that you would pay that running back in year one if you picked him at 18. $8.7 million for the total value of the contract. Signing bonus of $3.7 million. So you're talking about a significant financial difference at the running back position. But drafting him at 18 puts him in a stratosphere where he's a top 15 back in the NFL for pay against the cap from the moment he walks into their locker room. And from a cash perspective with the signing bonus in year one, he's a top five salary at the position. That's a tough sell. Knowing full well that the economics of that position versus no matter what position you take, that's the financials of this contract at this pick spot. So that's why teams pass on running backs from an economic value and say, well, shoot, we're not going to make this guy a tier two paid guy in the league before he takes a snap. We would rather go get a more high position, high value position, like a pass rusher or a corner, not specifically for the Dolphins, because Lord knows we got enough corners in the first round based on the noise, but not situation and everything else that's going on. But like a pass rusher or an offensive lineman, because that salary that's locked in with the number 18 overall pick makes them a tier three or tier four paid player at the position instead of being a tier two player at that position because of the wage, uh, the wages and what their respective positions get paid. I'm just saying, I would love Najee Harris to be on this football team. I would be over the moon if it came at 36. Do the Dolphins have the stones to try and see if he gets there or not? There is zero question of the backs in this year's draft class. I think Najee Harris, you can make a fair case for Javante Williams from North Carolina. It's for another day. Najee Harris is a home run fit for Miami from a style of play perspective, an experience perspective, a versatility perspective, all of the above. But the economics of it being at 18, the dynamics of what else you could get at 18, and what some of the caps are on his game, just make it a difficult proposition to be completely head over heels for at 18. I'm not going to be mad if it happens, because I understand the fit. And I understand, you know, if he's your guy, go get your guy. But there's always going to be the part of me, if they do draft him at 18, that wonders, would he have been there at 36? We will be here tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Dolphins. So please plan accordingly. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I will talk to you tomorrow.